Divisionate Community. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Stay Curious, a podcast where we want uh, to help you remember how to think. Instead of tell you what to think, we want to create diversity in thought, not division in community. I'm Matt Fisher. I'm the creative director here at Hill City, where we are recording, and I am your co-host alongside Mr. John Wagler, a.k.a. Wags. Wags, what's going on, man? What's up? Feeling good. Feels like it's been a little while since we've been in here. Yeah, it has Might have been. too much to say. <laughs> um, coming off vacation up in my favorite city of Boston. Boston. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Why? How? Give me a little bit. Of, let's do some personal talk. Why Boston? What is it about Boston? Why is it my favorite? Yeah. So, are you from New York? I yeah. mean, not New York City, upstate, but like upstate but yeah. New York. So, reason why I, reasons why I love Boston are... Well, all the sports teams there, I, I really enjoy, and it's cool that they're all there. All four of them are there. But so we walk the entire city just about every day, mm-hmm. and so it's clean, it's quiet, but mm-hmm. it's still a big city. Ton to do, tons of history. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just love it, and we didn't feel any pressure. Like you can relax in Boston. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to New York City, you can't relax. Oh, yeah. Right? You feel you just naturally feel the pressure to keep doing stuff. Sure. Whereas like. For two hours, we just laid in a park and under, literally underneath just a tree in the shade. So it's you know. like it's like Richmond for Yankees. Yeah, but just like <laughs> seven times the size of Richmond. Oh, yeah, it's big. Yeah. I've only been once. I remember liking it, I, but I feel like I've visited almost all the states. I think I've visited, I've been to 46 states, mm. but I did it while on tour with a punk band. So I always automatically <laughs> went to experience. yeah the worst part of whatever town. Yeah. <laughs> so people talk about like, you talking about Boston being clean and quiet. I'm just like, Ooh, not the part I was in, yeah. but you know, that's just No, it's part. super cool. We did, and we did the um, uh, Segway tour because we love a good Segway yeah, tour. Yeah, you do. And uh, it's just awesome. It's an awesome city. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, sweet. Well, yeah, we are finally back. We had a little break um, after our uh, three-part um, episode on abortion, and then we had a little chat about uh, the uh, incident at David Platt's church a little north of us, um, and now we're back. So we are ready to keep going. Thank you to everyone out there for all of your kind words. Um, for I think the kindest like uh, compliment that you can give podcast people is when you're like, hey, when's the next episode coming out? That's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you want more? Okay, you want to hear us talk? We can talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thanks to everybody. Um, if you have any thoughts or comments um, or suggestions for the show, uh, go ahead and send them to us. You can email us at staycurious at hillcityrva.com. Again, that's staycurious at hillcityrva.com. We have a lot of suggestions in the queue. I want to acknowledge that. We are not ignoring them. Um, they're coming. They are they're coming. coming. Yeah, they're going to come um, fast, and they're going to come furious, and we are going to talk about science. We're going to talk about um, relationships. There's a bunch of really good stuff in the inbox right now. So for those of you who sent things in, be patient. We are going to get to it very, very shortly. Um, but today, we are going to talk about um, something that's, I think, very current, kind of has been going down over you know, well, arguably we were just talking before the podcast. Maybe it's been going on for the past six months, possibly for the past 40 years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, uh, we're going to just kind of chat a little bit about some of the recent developments with um, just the state of our country, our society, specifically around um, some tweets that the president has sent out to a certain group of congresswomen and how that's kind of sparked even more division and divisiveness. But overall, I think we really want to just chat about where we're at in all of this um, as Christians, as Americans, um, and as people. 
um, and just try to kind of give you all some perspective. Now, um, we're going to talk about Donald Trump a little bit today, but I think it's less about him and more about society. So I don't want you guys to think like it's just about him. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, you know, on the front end, we'll, we'll, it'll set the table, but ultimately we aren't even talking about him in the end. You know, it, this is a bigger picture that we want. And even when we talk about having different perspectives or whatever, the reality is, it's like you and I agree on a lot of this stuff. We'll just look at it from different angles. And we hope that as you guys are listening, that maybe it'll bring up some different perspectives as you've started thinking through and looking at our culture that, um, and wondering, man, what in the world is going on? And, and maybe we just can bring some other things to the table here that will enable for some deeper conversations for you guys um, with your own friends and family. Yeah. Yeah. So we wanted to kind of acknowledge up front that some episodes, John and I disagree on things and that's fun to listen to on this one. We're probably a little more on the same side of things or we see things, uh, around about the same, but have different perspectives. Like we're kind of seeing it, I think from two different viewpoints. Um, so yeah, I, I think, so the facts, uh, recently are that, uh, Donald Trump sent a tweet. I think, do you have the tweet pulled I do. up? It's okay. on July 14th, um, at 827 AM. Uh, he sent this out. He said, so interesting to see progressive Democratic congresswomen who originally came from countries whose governments are complete and total catastrophe, the worst, most corrupt and inept anywhere in the world, even if they have a functioning government at all, now loudly and viciously um, telling the people of the United States, the greatest and most powerful nation on earth, how our government is to be run. Why don't they go back and help fix the totally broken and crime infested places from which they came, then come back and show us how it's done. These places need your help badly. You can't leave fast enough. I'm sure that Nancy Pelosi will be very happy to quickly work out a free f- work out free travel arrangements. Hmm. Pretty loaded. Um, Heart emoji. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. So pretty loaded tweet. Kind of hard to um, parse that with. I don't know. I guess how we understand the presidential post. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, this has obviously raised a lot of controversy and a lot of back and forth um, uh, about racism and about in truth. I mean, they are from this country. I mean, like, uh, there were yeah. some, there were some, uh, <laughs> there were some just logistical uh, problems with the tweet. Um, but yeah, I guess, John, from your perspective, so you and I have different social media intakes. Um, I think you're probably a little more spread than I am, and you you have a little more of a pulse on uh, a finger on the pulse of what's going on on the more conservative side. Um, what are you kind of hearing as far as people, maybe GOP folks being upset about what he said or defending what he said? Like, give me your perspective on this whole thing. Yeah, so I think that when uh, from conservative folks that I watch or listen to or even read or even just conversation with people, you know, um, they're able to uh, compartmentalize um, a lot of this stuff because they're viewing it through the lens of maybe some, um, you know, as we were talking earlier, some short-term gains and not thinking about maybe long-term consequences of all this, but Mm -hmm. they're looking at short-term gains. Like, for instance, like, well, you know what, but we could get more conservative um, Supreme Court justices, right? Or, um, or, or maybe it's like tax benefits or religious freedom kind of stuff for Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, 
trying to think of some others that you know I've heard. Uh, so they're they're all things that are kind of centered around these or defund Planned Parenthood. That's the other one um, that we hear. And because there has been movement underneath this administration that Christians and and again we're talking about Christians, not necessarily just conservatives, right? Because that's mm-hmm. a wide wide. But but some of the Christian conservatives are focusing on that piece. And maybe being like, ah, it's not the best what he tweeted or not mm-hmm. the best of what he said, but you know what? I'm willing to sacrifice like that piece in order to get this other piece over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that seems like a pretty heavy sacrifice at this point, um, from my point of view anyway. I I have spoken with um, yeah some more conservative folks. I kind of hung out with some family that thinks very differently than I do over the past few weeks and kind of heard what they had to say. And, um, yeah, I think that with very few exceptions, um, people are not saying like, oh yeah, they should go back to their country. Cause all you have to really say is like, well, they're from this country and people are like, oh, well, okay. Well, um, even like, I mean, some of this stuff's like just funny. Cause I'm like, y'all realize the people that are saying that are the same people like that are telling like the asylum seekers that like, they have, to. like if they don't like their government, like they should stay. Do, do you know, like, yeah. there's just like. I don't know. It's just like a, I don't know. It just, it seems like nobody's defending the logic of a tweet like that or even of his like, correct, you know, verbose sort of demeanor. But yeah, like what you're saying, um, they're more compartmentalizing it and just saying like, yeah, well, that was not a nice thing to say, but who cares because X, Y, Z. Yeah. And I would also say, yeah. And one other thing too, that just popped into my head. I think one of the things that um, tends to be, one of the topics that get conservatives riled up to is the fact that um, the conservative ideals of maybe some more some morality discussions mm-hmm. aren't even on the table anymore. Hmm. You know, like they don't even have like a voice in media. They don't have a voice in the conversation at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there is this feeling and this reaction that's also there that's like, well, we're going to put a stake in the ground here because y'all aren't even interested in any of our other stuff anyway. So we're just going to, if we can get this now, then we're going to take it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of it too. Yeah. And I think another thing I've heard a lot from um, more conservative folks or people who still purport to be Trump supporters is this idea that, um, well, you know, all presidents are like this. This president is just honest about it. Um, so this idea of like sort of, generationally engendered or like built up distrust of government of politicians on all sides of it of the aisle um kind of coming to a head with people just saying yeah stuff he says is bad but at least he's like saying what's on his mind i hear a lot of that too and i'm not really sure how to respond to that i guess i just have started to kind of listen a little bit because you can't really I mean, yeah, you know, well, I stayed and, curious, and that's what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> well, then you got the fact that you know there is a reality that not all people who voted for Donald Trump are racist, right? Mm-hmm. And so then they slough off anything that's like, well, I'm not that way, mm-hmm. and I don't even like I'm not concerned with that conversation anyway. I'm not that way, mm-hmm. so don't call me racist. I'm not a racist, and they yeah. and they and and they can differentiate between their own personal kind of viewpoints on something and saying like, well. We have compromises with whoever's president. I've, th- these are the compromises I've chosen to make, and and some of them I understand honestly. Like I, I do for for some capacity, and and um, I, I consider myself a moderate in mm-hmm. a lot of things anyway. But um, 
And so I see the point of view a lot of times, but I do think, and this is what we'll get into here in a few minutes, but I do think we've crossed the line Mm. into, from a Christian standpoint, sacrificing too much Mm -hmm. and compartmentalizing too much. And we're losing a larger impact and influence um, in this. And, um, And I would actually come from the perspective that would say, I would say this is the case on both sides. Hmm. Like I see it on the conservative side and and, and what kind of just kind of staying quiet about or not, you know, um, whatever. But I also kind of see it on a more liberal side and and left side too, where I think we're sacrificing too much Hmm. um, in the end. So um, I know we'll get into that a little bit more, but. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that. Um, what concerns me is that idea of, so you're always going to make concessions, right? Like if you find somebody to vote for that you're just feel like you're completely in line with, that might be weird. I mean, like you may be fooling yourself a little bit, right? Yeah, the president's um, not a pastor. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, like you got to. I don't care what you come from from the faith angle. It's like, the president's not a pastor. Right. Men of power tend to just not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember hearing, one of the things I actually, that made me very taken with Obama early on was I read this interview with him where somebody asked him, and I don't think they were trying to corner him, but they were like, are you a Christian? Yes. Um, and well, how is that going to inform your, you know, you, if you become president, how will that inform your your presidency. And Obama was pretty honest. He was like, well, that's tricky because if I go to a meeting with the DOD and tell them we're going to turn the other cheek from now on, that's not going to fly. Like, that's just not how this country runs. Mm -hmm. And I remember that being like a strangely honest and like kind of clunky way for him to answer. But I really like that. But I think there's, whether you like Obama or not, there's some truth in that. It's like, it's men of power usually it's tough, <laughs> you know, it's, it's tough, tough to yeah. like juggle that with the, yeah. the Sermon on the Mount, right? Yep. Um, but, you can't, actually. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. You're right. Um, but I think that what concerns me is this idea that, so there's always going to be concessions, um, but that one of the concessions is for some people um, sort of sentiments like go back to your country. That is very, uh, you can't really defend that biblically from my understanding of of the gospels anyway no and i would i would also say that like that anyone cheering that or yelling that um unless they were all non-christians doing it right i I mean i don't know but like or anyone if you are a christian and you in any way shape or form was like i mean he's got a point Mm -hmm. like i would say um first of all there's a lot of hypocrisy in that in terms of the fact that even him saying that, that you shouldn't criticize the government, like you look at his Twitter for the last 10 years or eight years or whatever, and it's filled with criticizing the government. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, so, so like yeah. even from him, there's like a lot of hypocrisy with that. But I mean, you could go decades again, this is bigger than him by far. But I would say like from a Christian standpoint, our, the, the witness of our faith in the community and culture is through loving our neighbor. That's biblical. Like they'll know that you're a Christian by your love, right? So the second that goes away, either in our words or in our actions, the second that goes away, we've lost the gospel. Mm -hmm. So the second we are going to say, we're going to partner up with saying like, go back home or send them or get them out or, you know, the second that we make people political pawns like that because of a disagreement or whatever, and we take on that mindset of like, uh, well, I'm not really mean that they're going to go back home, but just like, 
they need to check themselves. They're not as smart as they think they are, whatever. Like anything like that, we immediately are losing the heart of the gospel, Hmm. which means we're going to immediately lose our witness and we are sacrificing our witness of Jesus for the sake of some political talking point or to defend one side or the other. What would you say, so as the pastor of a church or like as somebody who people come to for, you know, advice or opinions on this sort of thing, um, what would you say to the level of severity of not just, so if you're also chanting, send her back, which by the way, send her back um, was a chant that happened at a uh, Greenville, North Carolina Trump rally on July 17th. Um, Trump has come out and said, I tried to stop them from saying that. Okay. Um, but it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, you can't really like shake the devil's hand and say you're kidding. Like mm-hmm. one, if you've done something to elicit that reaction, even if you then stand on stage and say, no, guys, don't say that. It's kind of like, eh, you're still a little culpable. But so for you as a pastor, like I'm curious, at what level does not chanting let's just use the chanting as like a sure. uh, overarching at what level does not chanting or like to your earlier point about you think that there are people who voted for Trump and support Trump who should still not be labeled racist at what point does not doing those things and not speaking out against those things become the same or or become like when does the sin become silence so or if, we become complicit right when have yeah. you become complicit because that's kind of my thing with like I've had these conversations with people who say, um, well, the reason that I, you know, I as a conservative am upset is because now everyone's calling me a racist and that's not true. I'm not a racist. And I get where they're coming from. But then my sort of reaction to that is always like, yeah, but now we're sort of in this weird checkmate position where you have like white supremacist groups saying like Trump is our guy more than any more than any Bush, more than any any other candidate, this is our guy. He's finally here. He's our dude. Like, um, that doesn't make you a racist, but like, how do you, how do you, um, how do you deal with the tension of like, all of a sudden racists have moved into your camp and are living there and you're not really kicking them out (laughs) and you're not leaving, right? So like if raiders come into your camp, you either kick the raiders out or you pick up camp and go live somewhere else. And for people who aren't doing that, I just have a hard time with that tension. Does that make sense? Like, so if somebody comes to you and says like, at what point does the silence become complete complicit? And at what point does that complicity become the sin? Do you have a response to that? I'm totally putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think this goes back to short term gains, long term consequences. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think if someone were to ask me that, I, I do think we've actually, we have crossed the line. I don't know where that line was, mm-hmm. you know, or when it happened, Maybe you can make an argument happen a long time ago. Uh, but I think we've crossed the line, and I think this feeds into idolatry of our country, idolatry of the presidency, idolatry of a political party. I think it goes into, um, I mean, I'd love to talk about this part. I think we are making light of spiritual warfare that's happening, mm. um, that we've become numb to. Mm. And, um, you know, I think you can see it in little ways that some of the same people that were saying that, that, President Trump was put in office by God were the same people saying that President Obama was the Antichrist and he's a Muslim. Mm-hmm. And what that what does that reveal? I think that reveals that we've become numb to our idolatry towards politics and power mm-hmm. and greed. Mm-hmm. And um and so I think 
And, and the reverse of that is also true. Let me also say that. Mm-hmm. You know, like the reverse is also true when you're saying like President Obama is our hope and our and our mm-hmm. everything, right? And and then condemning like Donald Trump as a person outside of politics and everything. Mm-hmm. Like I think that there's like the reverse of that's also true. So yeah. I wouldn't say it's that the conservatives have that market cornered. Mm-hmm. I think everyone's at fault with that. But I just I think what I I would say is this. Um it's the revealing nature of idolatry, but there is a um there's a there's a verse in Second Peter two twenty two and it, it says that um it says that they prove the the truth by uh this proverb that um a, a dog returns to its vomit. Mm-hmm. Right? And then um and then another one that says that a washed pig returns to the mud. Hmm. And there's something to all of this stuff that when we are when we are latching ourselves on in any capacity mm-hmm. and willing to totally ignore um, some of the end results of this and is like then we get the mud on it. It's like the classic example. You wrestle with a pig, you're going to get muddy, right? Mm-hmm. And and so that is what's happening politically with the church. Mm-hmm. Um, again, left or right, like it's it's wrestling in a way with searching for power and searching for things that for influence and things to like leverage our own uh capabilities that we're getting real muddy Mm -hmm. and we're like the dog that returns to its vomit like we're we're doing that same thing over and over and over again and i think now when you look at even um when you look at jeremiah 29 11 right which talks about like the shalom of the city like that's our our role is the the well-being of of the city we we live in you read through Daniel and and kind of how he operated within the context of Babylon. Um, we are missing that now. Mm. We we would rather it the equivalent of the Christian Church right now in America would have been like Daniel saying, "I'm all in with Nebuchadnezzar." Mm-hmm. And and what's happening in whoever Nebuchadnezzar is that could be President Trump, it could be President Obama, it could be President Bush, it could be Clinton, whatever. It's, it's, we are accepting and we've come numb to this. And so now I do think whether I, you know, uh, you and I have talked to someone, um, that we know that even with the abortion thing had made a comment, um, that we'll, we'll have blood on our hands, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, but I think it's actually way bigger than that. I, I think that when we look at, um, this idea of the racial tension and everything, um, and uh, the way that we treat each other person to person and and all this stuff, all the tribalism stuff, I think we now as a church are complicit. We, we cross the line. Mm-hmm. And so the, the short-term benefit of like single issue voting or um, or like compartmentalizing certain things has now gotten us all muddy. Mm-hmm. And like the end result is, again, left or right. So uh, someone's listening to this thing, I'm going one side, I'm not actually. It's... It, it, the short-term games or whatever side, I think in the end, we are sacrificing what we say we believe in and our ability to actually show that and witness that to people. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to look at folks and be like, I mean, you say you're not racist or you say you aren't this or you say you want more morality or you say you want these things, but I get it. You make compromises, but at some point it just goes too far. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we've lost decency. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I mean... I mean, it's bizarre to me that like we support people and listen to people and empower people again, whatever side that have no decency and like we get on board and support them. Mm. You know, it, it that like 
I mean, even that at that level should be like, shouldn't that make us all pause as Christians? Whether you're more left or more right politically, right. like the fact that you're siding with people that aren't decent people is like crazy to me. And in the midst of that, I think we just get real muddy. Yeah, I like the uh, I like the the mud getting mud on you. I think that's better than my camp uh, <laughs> analogy, which was convoluted as my analogies often are. Yeah, I think that um, you know. I can hear and feel as an as an empath um, can feel that people will listen to this and feel like they're being attacked as conservative. So allow me to counteract that. As a liberal person who exists and has existed in almost the, I would say that I have lived my a good chunk of my life in almost the most liberal circles that you can. So stuff like you know, like hanging out with anarchists or like um, punk rockers and like people who are literally like an Antifa. Like I have friends who, I currently have friends that I care about who are like like Antifa people. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, What I would say to that group um, sort of in the same way is like something I've tried to do is, again, Christians in that area, um, is something I've tried to do is not talk, like don't call him a pig anymore or don't call cops pigs, don't call... Donald Trump a a pig or a piece of you know what or whatever because it's dehumanizing and like that's not okay you cannot agree you can say he's being a jerk you can say he's you can say what he said is racist or maybe you can even claim that he has a white supremacist ideology but saying like I really think this guy maybe has a white supremacist ideology is still different than saying this guy is an animal like this guy is less than a human and you know whatever happens to him fine um, don't do that. <laughs> you know, like that's, I think the sin on the other side. And I've said often, like, I, I really like, I'm a fan of media and like art and general, but I really like comedy. Like comedy is one of my things. I tried to be a comedian for a little while. I did stand up and all that. And I look back at some of the, the like comedy albums from the early, from the Bush era, from the George W. Bush era that I really love. And I listen to them now and I'm just like, you guys were by demonizing that guy, and I get that like everything in comedy is overwrought, but like by demonizing that guy so much, and then looking back on that now that we have Trump, you asked for this. Like all of your sarcasm and your snark and your social media joking, me too, because I am 100% that way. All of that stuff, you were pushing these people and pushing these people on the other side and pressuring them and putting them under pressure that now, like we're kind of getting the backlash of that and I'm not saying it's like what we des- you know, what people deserve or whatever, but like all of your snark and all of your sarcasm and all of your vitriol is now coming back at you because we're in a society where people are like, well, whatever, you're going to say that about whoever. Like, so we might as well just have Trump. So like, I guess I can kind of like put my, my side, quote unquote, my side <laughs> on blast and be like, look, we contributed to this <laughs> yeah. by being so negative and sarcastic and like and that's not the same as like protesting the iraq war when it happened that's not what i'm talking about is like going on facebook and or being a comedian or being an author or being a whatever a a tv writer or a film writer and committing thousands and thousands and thousands of words to like how george bush is such an idiot and a baby man and well it's like well here's the backlash now we are in a totally polarized situation where People don't care that somebody said that they did X, Y, Z to a woman or that somebody should go back to their country because the way that the other side sees it is you're not going to be happy no matter what. So take that 
you know, their, yeah. their, their Everyone's attitude. Everyone's at fault. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I wanted yeah. to interject that. No, and I think that's good because I think, you know, if we were to map out our political opinions, I do lean more conservative, mm-hmm. you know, and um, though I consider myself a little bit more of a centrist, but like they're, you know, it's not, I think if if a conservative person is listening to this and they're automatically thinking like, oh, he's just railing on conservatives, or whatever. I'm like, well, I think y'all need, I think left or right, if you feel that way so aggressively and you get amped up so quickly, then I would actually have you like pause for a second, ask yourself why. Hmm. Like, because the, the, the truth is, is in this discussion, if you are a Christian, you shouldn't feel like you have a home. Hmm. So... So if you're getting worked up when someone challenges a racist comment and trying to defend something and you feel like you're attacked, I would say you might need to hit pause and how attached you are to these things, Mm. you know? And so, and I think that goes again, both sides of this, because from the Christian viewpoint and perspective is, is we should never have a home in this political discussion. Like we should always be, you might have your leanings and you might vote a certain way for certain reasons, but like, my gosh, like we shouldn't have a home. We should be looking at how this kind of pulls us back in. Like I'll give you an example. Um, I think that this problem of what we're seeing actually has nothing to do with Donald Trump, Mm -hmm. had nothing to do with Obama, had nothing to do with Clinton, had nothing to do with liberals, had nothing to do with lack of morality, had nothing to do actually fully with conservatives. I think what we end up seeing is this idolatrous nature that we have towards power and greed and autonomy and the selfish nature that we are and continue to promote. Um, If you guys want a really good book to read on this idea of liberty and freedom, it's um, a book called Why Liberalism Failed. Mm -hmm. And it's a fascinating look. The the two top people that um, commented on the book are... um, President Obama and then um, David Brooks. So he's a you know conservative writer. President Obama was obviously a Democrat, and those two guys are like, this is a brilliant book. And 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 here's the reason why I bring that up. The book goes into a lot about how this idea of liberty, and he frames it as liberalism, um, actually has moved everyone towards selfishness and this desire for autonomy and wanting to do whatever you want to do. And um, it leads to more greed and more thirst for power and actually completely defeats all the things that will build people up. And so the reason why I bring that part up is because when you bring our faith into this, our Christian faith is not built on selfishness, is not built on autonomy. It is not built on any of those things. And it is built on community. And do you know that, um, and so I think this idea of what we've done, this is why I think it's bigger than this, that when we can defend anything, or we, if we want to stay silent about anything racial or anything like that, that should make us, like, we should, like, immediately be like, whoa, 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 these are our brothers and sisters. Like, we are community. We love our neighbors. We need to engage that way. That should be our heart. And we should be the first people speaking up. Like, when the go back home comments. I remember reading um, a friend of mine who's a rabbi, like his comments on this, like what it made him feel like and his ancestors and, and like what that, he goes, that's what they heard in Germany. Right. You, you know? And so like, so like, and what that brought up for him and, 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 and everything else with just folks that in terms of like how we've done stuff racially in our country and, and everything. But like the fact that you would ever want to stay silent about this is crazy to me from a Christian standpoint, because we are about loving our neighbor. And if we aren't about loving our neighbor, then we aren't about the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And so I think this is dramatically, I think this is bigger. Like, again, we shouldn't have a home in this conversation and we should always feel uneasy about it. And we should always be fighting for the purity of things and fighting for um, what brings us closer to Jesus. Um, The fact that we concentrate so much on autonomy and what I get out of it and everything is in direct opposition to the gospel, mm. and it's created. Uh, you know, you've we've talked about this, and you've heard it before. But you know, we're in the we're in the loneliest country in the world right now, mm-hmm. and um, and so um, like all the studies, they they the research that goes into this stuff shows that. But you know, what's interesting is I heard someone talking the other day that um, that loneliness is um, a predictor of tribalism. Mm. And because tribalism is built on kind of selfish desires and you don't have the concern of other people around you. You just rather isolate and do your own thing and everything. Right. And that folks that are actually lonely and there's different, you know, levels of loneliness. um, But like when I say lonely, that can also be like you don't have actually like real you might be around people. You don't have like real community and vulnerability and trust and all of those things. And so the fact that you don't have real community builds tribalism because real community requires vulnerability, trust, generosity, the appreciation and celebration and empowerment of other people around you. And so the fact that we go into these tribes, right or left, um, is in direct opposition to the gospel mm. because the do- gospel will always promote the loving of one another and community. Hmm. So, so I think it's just bigger than a tweet. Yeah. So... Do you think that um, as we talk about two words that have continuously come up in this conversation, um, both today and like wider, um, is idolatry and autonomy. Do you think that like the need, especially I think in this country, like we have this very cowboy like bootstraps, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps, move out to the, you know, get yourself some land, build a fence, whatever. It's I think it's ingrained in us no different than if you are raised in the UK and your dad was raised in the UK and his dad was raised in the UK, you have like this sense of like, um, like King Arthur, the night nights of the round table, like that's your history, right? So it's ingrained in you a little bit. We have that with cowboyism <laughs> of like Western expansion. And so like we sort of make an idol, I think out of this autonomy, but the Bible is, I, I feel like pretty anti-autonomy. Like it's very like, no, what you do affects other people. And again, maybe this is me reading into it, but like what you do affects other people and what you don't do affects other people. And you need to love your brothers, love your neighbor. Um, just the idea of like, what if, you know, what if, um, I don't know, what if Paul was just like, yeah, I saw Jesus on the road to Damascus and like, so I'm going to do good, but I'm not going to like, go write letters to anybody or start any churches or anything. Cause like what they do doesn't really concern or affect me. What do you feel like the gospel has to say about this idea that, um, autonomy is sacred and like that we, we are somehow disconnected, like our good and bad deeds are somehow disconnected from the good and bad deeds of people who look and act and vote like us. Yeah. I mean like literally from start to end of the Bible, as you begin to read through it, um, any time, for instance, in like the Old Testament where people side with the empire, meaning a side, right? That would have been political siding. Anytime people sided with the empire, they attacked each other. Hmm. Anytime they sided with God, they came together. Hmm. And so this idea of autonomy and the chase after what you want and get what you want and do what you can and, and everything is really antithetical to the Bible. And so, 
I know we had the discussion of socialism and capitalism and stuff before and and you know there's holes in in both obviously um but there's also some truths in both but I I think when you even look at how Jesus like if Jesus were coming into America right now I think he would say y'all like you're so prosperous you have so much to give like how are y'all not the most generous people in the history of the world mm. you could change the world through your generosity um but yet year after year generosity in our culture gets lower and lower and lower mm. you know and um and and it's it's lower in a lot of different places it's mm. not just um here because of capitalism i mean in socialist countries it's lowest you know but like it's, but that tells you something like it it tells you we're we're too concerned with ourselves and and again it is opposite like you have example after example like one of the reasons that even when you talked about socialism was like I mean, they told them like sold the land mm-hmm. and give it up for like there's some truth to what you're saying and, and it's the heart of that that we miss out when it's all about autonomy and doing what we want to do i find what's interesting is that when i hear arguments on either stronger conservative or stronger liberal sides in the end, they want the same thing. Which is? Power and control of whatever they want to do. Okay. <laughs> that's what, I mean, I mean, in the end, that's what it feels like, mm-hmm. you know? And um, and so, but again, those things are, again, opposite of what Jesus taught all the time. I mean, you and I, I mean, I could like open up the Bible right now on my computer, which sounds weird, but, and I could just start reading through all the teachings of Jesus and all you would hear would be, example after example after example how you know what matt he would teach you what you do impact impacts wags and what wags doug does will impact your family and you guys are in this together and you got to take that into consideration there isn't like well you know what like matt leans a little more liberal you know and and wags is a little more <laughs> on the conservative end so it's gonna you're gonna have this tension there and you guys got to figure it out it's like no we 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 view all of this autonomy thing so differently. It's like when Prop spoke at our church, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, he's like, you know, one of the coolest things when you look at a picture of the earth mm-hmm. is that there are no lines. There are no countries. There are no states. There's no, he used the example. Guess what? When you look at um, <laughs> where Virginia is from the world, there's no line on it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't say Virginia. They're all, right. you know, they're all constructs. So, so I just think, and no, don't take that like you shouldn't have borders or anything like that. Like, don't do that thing. You shouldn't but, have borders. <laughs> <don't>. But <laughs> my point is, is like all these things that were um, are having this incredible impact on people and hurting people and causing this divide and longer tribalism and everything. It is literally it couldn't be more anti-Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so when that's why I think it's bigger than president trump it's bigger than president obama or anybody this is what i mean by this that this discussion typically stops there Mm -hmm. it it stops with political discourse or it stops with a political policy and it never gets into a christian challenging another christian of saying how does this bring me back to jesus how do i how how could this possibly maybe sacrifice my witness are you taking that into consideration and if your response is, well, I don't care because of one, one, because I'm a one issue voter, then I would say like, you're missing the point of Jesus. Yeah. And I think so to kind of wrap things up, one of the things that we want to talk about or one of the questions that we want to kind of crack open is, you know, ultimately, so what? 
right? Like, so, so what about all this? Like, what does it matter? Let's say tomorrow, let's say in 2020, the sky opens up and a perfect candidate <laughs> is <laughs> provided that everyone agrees on and he and he or she gets the first 100% vote, <laughs> you know? Um, what? So why does what we're going through, not just in the in the sort of Trump administration, like era ha- matter, but like in the modern age, like since whenever, since Jesus, you know, was crucified. Why does any of the stuff that we're talking about matter? And I think what you and I have kind of landed on is that idea of how does this hurt our witness? How does this hurt or help our witness of Christ? Um, and, you know, earlier I was talking about like, man, one of the things that really panics me, makes me feel not logical and not curious and panicked is this idea that the um, church's marriage to the GOP or to Trump or to any power structure um, long-term hurts our witness, right? It makes it so that maybe a generation of people are like, I totally agree with everything Jesus says, but I could never call myself a Christian because of X, Y, Z. Um, And this is not a Trump problem. This is like goes all the way back to the moral majority. It probably goes back to like the Inquisition, (laughs) you know, and like the Crusades. Like literally you can talk to somebody today about why they don't come to church and they'll talk to you about stuff that happened. What about the Holy Wars? Yeah, in medieval times. Like that's a long reaching effect that some very bad decisions the church made have. So I want to kind of talk about like, or just bring up, how is this affecting our witness? Like when somebody, when when the president who maybe you voted for, and maybe you agree with him on economics or abortion or whatever, says a racist thing, and you don't say, hey, I voted for this guy, but I don't agree with that. That's, you can't say that. You know, like, not just say, oh, well, you know, I don't agree, but, you know, but, no but, just say, that's not okay. Yeah. You can't say that. Like, no, you know? How does that affect our witness moving forward? And I'm, I'm, you, you have thoughts. I don't know if either of us have an answer, but it's certainly a concern. It's like, how is this whole thing continuing to perpetuate our move toward a post-Christian society? Like, how does this contribute? And not just Trump, but like all the way, like, like we're saying, all the way back to just the church getting super involved in matters of state in the 70s, 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. How does that like push us, push the pendulum toward us being like a I, I couldn't think of a perfect example. Amsterdam? I don't know, like a like <laughs> yeah. a, a nation that was Christian at one point and now is completely post-church. Yeah. yeah, and I I think that's something to take into consideration in, in this whole conversation is like, what in the world are we sacrificing here and for what purpose? And and so I think our, again, I, I think this is happening on both sides. I, I think... Um, I think the church has married itself to political influence on both sides and political power, and we've sacrificed our witness in the midst of it. I think we see that in um, not just the abortion discussion. I think it's bigger than that. I think it's the sexual sexuality discussion in general about not gay versus straight or anything, but I'm just talking about how flippantly people talk about sex and I think we've sacrificed certain things and morality and everything along the way, just in different ways on both sides. And we've just completely sacrificed our witness. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's going to be long-term consequences for this. Like when someone's like, I'm voting for my, my great grandkids. I'm like, you might be, but in not in the way you think. Yeah. You, you might, know, by, by 
trying to force a what you perceive to be Christian, quote unquote, Christian agenda, you may be setting up a future in which your grandkids live in an America that other countries send missionaries to. Yeah, they might get legit persecution. Yeah, like, yeah, like we send this country, churches in this country have missionary bases in countries in Europe that used to be full, that have big, beautiful churches. (laughs) Yeah. The most beautiful churches (laughs) in the world. uh, And now they are in a totally post era. Um, So, yeah, I I would say for, um, I am still a little like, I'm very cautious though about false equivalency. Not to say that, like, both sides don't have problems, but it's just sticky. When you say, like, on both sides, it's sticky for me, and I just want to be honest about it, because, like, Democrats are not concerned about losing the evangelical vote, but uh, Republicans super are. Um, So it's like, we are in this, I just don't want to, I just want to continue to question that. I don't want to automatically, and again, that's not, like, one side is right or wrong. I think... I think the the more liberal or progressive side of our society has married itself to other power structures for all the wrong sure. reasons. Yeah, yeah. But politically specifically like politics, we're still we I would I want to acknowledge that we're in this weird place where when it comes to voting and politics, presidential politics, there is this weird marriage happening between specifically the GOP and quote unquote evangelical Christianity that I would say white evangelical christianity good, okay good point so that's i yeah. think that's a distinction it's another episode but that's yeah. very good so if you're listening to this look that up um and continue to like i guess that's my thing i just want people to continue to think about it and don't autumn i think we start to stagnate if we automatically just ascribe the same sins to both sides so we need to acknowledge that both sides have problems and that those problems can be equal in consequence without, though, creating a false equivalency of, like, same thing happens on the right that happens on the left all the time. Does that make sense? Is that it does. unfair? It, and they can be different. Different. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think we need to to just continue to, like, think through that critically. Yeah, no, no, um, that makes sense. Cool. All right. Well, I want to have one last comment. Yeah, go ahead. We're, like, at a tight 45 right now. Go so, for it. <laughs> um, my last comment would be, around this discussion is this. I think every Christian needs to sit down and have a real true um, time of self-reflection and introspection and ask yourself, what do you believe more in? Like, do you believe more in the power of the community of believers of Jesus Christ that would show and reveal the truth of the gospel or do you believe more in the political party of your choice? And you know the answer to that by looking at your daily habits, your treatment of other people, the way you talk about and think about people of different races and ethnicities and everything else, how riled up you get one way or another about a political discussion. And and so... I think everyone needs to like, we should all be doing that on a regular basis because we can all slip. Mm. Like it's so easy. I mean, so easy for all of us to do that. And I think truthfully, I think we should all be wrestling with like, what what power do we actually believe in? And um, that will help us begin to have some discernment on how to respond to some of these things, which right now 
we're doing a horrible job of as as, as a Christian community. Mm. So now, are there pockets of people doing great? Sure. I'm just saying as a whole, um, I, th- I think that's something we need to wrestle with. That's my pastoral advice to end the podcast. <laughs> cool. Good thought. A word from Wags. <laughs> Um, well, thanks everyone for joining us. Um, again, if you have thoughts or comments, questions or concerns, um, or suggestions for future topics, you can send an email to stay curious at hillcityrva.com. Um, and make sure to rate and review us. If you get a second, um, share the podcast, if you would be so kind and we will see you all next time.